Jamie, let's pop off right now. We gotta get started. We gotta go. Let's go. Let's go. Let's get the people in the chat. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Hit and Hustle from irisportsdaily.com. I am your host, Greg Flamong, and with me, as always, is Jamie Uyama, Mr. Jamie University. It is Thursday, August 17th, and we have a say goodbye to the off-season mailbag. Um, this is our last show of the off-season, Jamie. Next week, we're going to be we're going to be in game week. Um, the, the boys are going to be playing uh, Navy out in Ireland, and so we're, we're going to be doing previews and we're going to be talking about that. So, uh, this is the last hurrah of the off season. Um, Jamie, would you say the off season went quickly or slowly this year? How, how, what's your take on that? Um, I feel it always goes kind of quick, like yeah. it's, it's like one of those things where, um, uh, you know, no shots at anyone, but they always people put those countdowns that are like. 200 and something days till yeah. Navy. Like, yeah. I'm like, okay, like, do we need to do maybe when we get down to 30, we can yeah. start doing it? But, but I mean, people do it throughout the yeah. thing, or I don't mind when they do it when it's like, oh, this jersey number. I'm like, hey, that's okay. That's a nice little gimmick, whatever, right? You know, it's I like, think when we get to the jersey numbers, it's a, it's kind of, it's yeah, better. that's, yeah. that's fine. I'm fine with that. Uh, but you know, we can maybe chill on 187 days away from Navy. <laughs> uh, but uh, I do feel like it goes fast because, I mean, we're busy the whole time, right? So, yeah. you know, the season ends and it's like coaching carousel. And yeah. then you think it's over and then Tommy Reese is leaving for Alabama. And then you think, okay, it's over again. You get the whole gong show with the, um, the, the offensive coordinator search. And, mm -hmm. and you got recruiting and you have uh spring ball and then you have camp season. And I just, there's a lot of stuff going on. Right. And it transfer portal. Right. So yeah. um, I think it goes by pretty fast. Like I it, normally I'd be like, how the heck did we have basically two shows a week? I know mean, we took like, you know, a few ones off here and there, but for the mm -hmm. most part, we did two shows a week for, yeah. Uh, the whole off season. And uh, I mean, there was always, there's pretty much always something to talk about. So it was, uh, we never get to all the ideas. Like, like we always are talking about, Oh, it's the off season. How are we going to fill the, how are we going to fill the, the shows? Like what content are we going to come out with? And like, we always leave stuff on the table. And so to your point, like it, it doesn't seem long because there's always something right. But at the same time, like we, we do, we do leave stuff on the table. Like I didn't do, we, we were supposed to do a top 25 show. We did the top 25 players. We didn't do that, um, which is fine. Like I, it's not a big deal. It's, you know, maybe I can do a video on my own and just kind of talk about my top 25 people. Uh, but you know, beyond that, uh, there's always, there's always stuff to talk about. So that's nice. So, um, and, and, and in doing so, uh, thank you for everyone who has, you know, there are a lot of people who have watched our show or like pretty much they're here every show. Uh, which we greatly appreciate. Uh, we've gained a lot more uh, followers. We've gotten a lot more following and that sort of thing, subscribers. Um, and if this is your first time catching this show, you like what you hear, hit the like, hit subscribe, hit the notification bell so you know we're going live. Uh, links to the podcast are in the description below. And before we get started on the mailbag, just kind of a, like what we do in the in, when season is in, 
Um, so we have our Tuesday, Thursday show. Sometimes the date that, you know, maybe sometimes it's like a Monday or Wednesday or whatever. Uh, but we have our Tuesday, Thursday show. We're always two days a week. Um, the first show of the week is like a recap of the game. Uh, we've got, like, we've put the finishing touches on it. The Thursday is more of a preview. We do a post game show, uh, basically right after the first, the, the game ends. Um, we're on within like 15 minutes. Um, those are usually an hour. We might go a little bit longer this year, just because I have some, some kind of topics that we can talk about, like to make the show a little bit more uh, structured. And then I have a morning after recap, which is usually like super early in the morning, like 9.30 Eastern time, uh, 6.30 Pacific, because my kids have soccer and everything. So I got to get going early. So uh, that's what we have. That's what we have. We, we might, we always kind of add shows. If, if there's content that needs to be covered, we can do that. Um, so that's what you have to look forward to. And um, another thing you have to look forward to is if you need to upgrade your shirt game or your your your, your dress shirt game for work or if you got a wedding to go to, you can go to esqclothing.com and uh, check out Ga Wang and his bamboo dress shirts there. We've we've covered them all off season. They they became a sponsor um, this year. Can't can't be more proud to to rep their stuff. Uh, the bamboo dress shirts have stretch, uh, odor and wrinkle resistant, machine washable. Uh, Performance dress shirts is the way God described them on the show. And um, I think that's a very apt description. So head over to esqcoling.com. Upgrade your shirt game. All right. Um, CFB Hertz says, I only want to watch games when Notre Dame wins. So please tell me now which games those are and I'll avoid the rest. Um, I don't know. Maybe maybe we'll do a prediction next week. We'll do our prediction show. Uh, We'll go through kind of like the season and that sort of thing. Cause we, we don't need to preview Navy twice. So maybe we can do the season and then Thursday we'll get more into the Navy. So we'll do that. Um, so yeah, so let's get to the questions, Jamie, let's get to the mailbag. Uh, a lot of questions from ISD customers. Thank you so much. The first one is from silverback. Will Notre Dame rush for over 2,200 yards during the regular season? What do you think, Jamie? I mean, I think that's oddly specific. Um, yeah. You know, just 2,200 yards. I You never hear about anyone talking about the total rushing yards for a season. So uh, I guess. And let's assume 13 games too. I, yeah, I had to, I had to look up what, you know, what kind of like normally Notre Dame rushes for in a season or, you know, kind of what's good and what's not. Yeah. Basically that's 169 yards per game. Yeah. So last uh, year they were 2458. Yeah, um, I'm gonna say yes. They 2,200 yards. I think that's. I, I I would be surprised if I would be surprised if they're under 170 yards a game rushing. So since 2017, the only time they were under that was the 2021 season, uh, which makes a lot of sense. The, the line was bad. Yeah, the line was bad, and it was basically just Kyron's like. They had they had a little bit of Tyler Buckner in there as well, but he obviously wasn't the main quarterback, so you didn't get help from the quarterback as much. Uh, but we won't get that this year. Yeah, you won't get that this year. But I think the line is better. Obviously, estimate. Um, it seems like they have a stable, and there's kind of a question about that later on about you know who is actually going to be the backup to um, Audrey estimate and how that's going to go. Um, but I think they do have a number of people that would be able to. Um, kind of carry the load there, you know, to, I, I don't know who's going to be the, the second leading rusher, or how many yards, but I think 
they're going to have a healthy backup situation, whoever it is. Um, so I, w- I would say over. I-, I would definitely say over. I think the line is good for it. I think the, the running back situation um, is good enough for it. Um, next question. Uh, D. Lemire 7. D. Lemire 7. Uh, set the line for a matchup of 2023 Irish versus 2022 for reference last year in 22 versus 21 hypothetical. Jamie said, I think he said 22 minus six. And I said, uh, Notre Dame or 2022 minus three. I don't actually remember doing this at all. I don't remember Um, doing this at all. I feel like he made this up and gave (laughs) us these numbers because I do not remember. I I, I was like, I don't recall having this because I, I would be surprised if I actually would have taken the 22 team over the 21 team. Cause I felt like the 21 team had a lot. I don't more, think uh, I would have, uh, yeah. but I mean, I mean, oh, I we guess set, uh, let's do it for this one. Uh, yeah. I mean, I would say 23 over 22. Um, I said minus four and a half in favor of 2023. Wow. Um, I, I, w- I would say more, a lot more, actually. I would say like closer to minus 10. I just think they're closer they're to minus of- 10. I mean, I just think, I mean, I'm not saying that they, they might not beat them by double digits, but I just think that it was like, you know, I'm just trying to be kind of like what an actual, what I think an, the actual line would be. Is, is I think minus four and a half, but I wouldn't be surprised. Like, I think this, I think expectations are higher for this team and should be. And I think the ceiling's higher for this team. So, I mean, 10 points isn't wild. I think they're kind of, with the, maybe the exception of the offensive line, it's kind of a wash because you still have, like, I would rather have Patterson and Lug versus uh, Rocco and, um Coogan I'd rather have that and obviously you'd rather have Mayer um but other than that I feel like they're kind of stronger at every position um so you know I I just think I I, plus this defense you we you talked about in six thoughts today I think the 23 defense is uh has a real chance I think they have a real chance to be very, very good the quarterback and the defense are just so much better I think so it's just like it's hard not to just that I mean that says it all, right? Yeah. And like, look at even if you go entering into last season, um, well, you know, Ben Morrison was like, oh, he's gonna play this year, but that was it. You know, there was no like Ben Morrison is he's an All American candidate. There wasn't any kind of like, oh, Jaden Mickey has really taken a step, or you know, yeah. Christian Gray is gonna play. Like, there's there's so much deeper there. Um, you know, obviously they didn't, even though they lose Foskey, I think the development on the defensive line, they're just way stronger across the board. They just have way more like quote unquote dudes on the defensive line. They're bigger. Uh, you know, it's something that I wrote about and Andrew Mentock wrote about for our sports daily. Like they, they averaged, you know, six, four, two ninety eight last year, last year, there was like six, two, like two eighty nine. Um, and really, like, you think about it because last year they had, at the beginning of the year, too, especially, it was like Lacey, Lacey, Admiralola, and Cross. That was like 280. All of those guys were like 280. Yeah. 
Yeah. And, and, and Cross was even a little bit below. So, I mean, it, it makes a big difference. It makes a big difference. So I, I think that's part of it. And I think the linebackers are just are better. They're yeah. better and they have more competition there. And they're just a lot of like young athletes that I think are going to play more as the season goes along. The second year in uh, Golden's defense too, that really definitely. definitely. And I think too, like you talked about, you know, Foskey. It's like, it's one of those things where you would rather, obviously much rather have, you'd rather have Isaiah Foskey than Jordan Batelho, right? Like if you were drafting, but it, it doesn't matter like production wise the production is the production it doesn't it's kind of like it's kind of like who would you rather have right like jalen smith or tavon coney we'd rather have jalen smith tavon coney in 2017 like those numbers are insane right like you you wouldn't give up that season so it's like that's what it is to me well and the depth i think too right like i think i so it's funny because i think when it happened, Justin Adonalola, when he decided like, okay, he was going to try to go for the NFL and not come back for a sixth year. I think that was, you know, he, he could have helped right? obviously the guy's no, got sure. experience, but I think he might've came back and he might've got beat out, you know, like I, I think he would have eventually lost playing time, right. To, to other guys, other edge rushers. Cause you, I think are more talented than him. Yeah. So I think that's like, you know, something that, you know, if you look at just like the Fosky piece of it, but then the other pieces of it. And then Admiral was never really healthy all last year yeah. either. And uh, so that's another part of it. Well, plus one thing leads to another thing, right? So like if Justin is on campus, like maybe, maybe John Javante, uh, Javante Jean Baptiste doesn't come, you know, when, yeah. and, and maybe, um, you know, if Jason Alamola comes back, I don't. Did he even have a opportunity? He couldn't have come back. He was. He couldn't he have come back because so, he so, played so, four years and then he had yeah. a fifth. It was, it was his extra year because he didn't yeah. redshirt. Yeah, yeah. So, but but so, but the 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 one for Justin, it's like you know, you you could you you wouldn't have the other one. You know, so it's just it's kind of like that's how it works there. Um, all right, BPD uh, three hundred six. Uh, so this is a long question. So basically he's asking about um, uh, taller quarterbacks. Like, do you need to be taller to be successful? Um, Sam Hartman is, is, has a good size. He's six one. Um, so he's taller than Drew Pine, uh, but he has had turnovers before. And so he's wondering, like, is it a concern for you um, that he isn't taller? You know, that he, that he, they don't have like a taller statured quarterback. Like I think, uh, like both Steve Angeli and Kenny Minchie are tall. Actually, Kenny Minchie might just be six one too. He's I don't six think two. he's that big of a guy. He's six or six two. two. Yeah. So he's a little bit taller. Um, do you have a concern about Sam Hartman being six one and like Notre Dame needing to have like kind of a taller quarterback back there um, to alleviate some you know interception concerns seeing over the line? I think you'd always prefer a taller guy, but at this point. Taller doesn't always equal better. That's how the NFL got stuck with all of these like statues in the pocket for so many yeah. years because yeah. you were just taking these guys who are the prototype. And um, oh god, the name escapes me right now. But the uh, the Penn State quarterback who was like a five star big arm dude who was Drew Aller. No, 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 no. He's he, he this he was uh, like early Franklin days, but uh, Hackenberg. Hackenberg, Christian Hackenberg, right? So that guy was like 
fit that profile, right? Yeah. But I mean, you would never take, I mean, Christian Hagenberg is not even close to Sam Hartman, you know? Um, I think you'd prefer if Sam Hartman was bigger. Yeah, that would be nice. That'd be nice if he was, but, but even then it's like, even if you're like six, three or six, four, you still got to find windows. You still got to, it's, you know, you're still having guys who are like six, six block for you. Right. So um, there's only so many Brock Osweilers out there. Right. So there's not that many guys who can just seeing over the line. That's not like a real thing that people like it's. And I, I think too, like, because Drew Pine got so many balls knocked down last year, like I think that probably has like you know uh, it's it's into people's heads mm-hmm. about it. Um, by the way, uh, so Pine had nine balls batted down last year. Hartman had um, eight, uh, but Pine was his rate was three point five percent of of pass attempts were knocked down one point eight, so basically double of uh, for yeah. Pine. Yeah, there. So I, I don't think it's. I mean, he'll have some balls knocked down, but I don't think it's like overly uh, a huge concern. And I think some of the turnovers. I don't know if the turnovers were were him, you know, not seeing it as well, or him, um, you know, maybe taking chances that he shouldn't have, and probably having to take those chances because of the offense he played in. Mm-hmm. Plus two. I mean, you know. No one really cared about like he's the same size as Everett Golson. Like we didn't have these conversations. You know, Everett Golson might yeah. be a little shorter than him. Ian Book know? is not a big guy. Ian Book's not a big guy. Caleb Williams is not a big guy. You know, he's no. he's uh, around six one. Heisman six winner, Baker Mayfield. Heisman, like I, I would Tyler gladly, Murray. I would gladly take Caleb Williams, uh, very very happily. Um, Kyler Murray, like you say, uh, Baker Mayfield also shorter. So Russell Wilson. Can, yeah, it can happen. It's not, it's not a huge – I mean, if, it might hurt his pro chances, but I don't need him to be a good pro. You know, I, that's not what I'm looking for. Yeah. Um, that would be great, but I'm looking for, you know, a good college football season, and I think it can be that. So, uh, But it's a concern we hear a lot, so it's a, it's a good, fair question. Um, Scott from CLT. Um, I'm going to ignore the first one because these two questions – I'm going to ignore the first one because we don't have anything on it, so there's no point in us talking about it. Um, you, uh, he would be interested to learn our true perspective of Harry Heastan as a coach. He went on to talk about, uh, the, some things he's heard about Joe Rudolph. Um, and, and he's, he did mention that it seemed like Joe Rudolph was, um, a, uh, uh, a kind of a best of both worlds, right? A technician, um, a, a la Harry Heastan, but it wasn't as fiery, um, you know, didn't, uh, didn't berate the players, uh, as much as maybe Harry Heastan uh, did, didn't verbally go after them as much. Um, so what, what is your take on Heastan? And do you agree that Joe Rudolph is kind of the best of both worlds there? I mean, I, I think in terms of his demeanor, yeah, I think it, in terms of his demeanor, I think he, you know, cause I saw him, uh, you know, turn it up a notch in terms of, uh, you know, getting after it with, with some of the guys and, um, being not so gentle with, with sure. his coaching one of the days and you're talking about Rudolph now, Joe Rudolph. Yes. Yeah. Uh, so I, I, so, you know, I, cause I think they're, you have to have a balance too. And also yeah. diff, kids are kids, re, different kids respond to different things. And 
unfortunately, like Harry Heastan is from a time when it's like, it's my way or the highway. And that's just kind of how he was. That's how he was coached. He's just an old school guy. Um, so I think the criticisms in that, in terms of the, the throw, him being like a throwback or an old school guy, I think those are fair. You know, some of his rigidness as a recruit, as a recruiter in terms of like, you know, maybe not offering as many guys, maybe like sticking to, you know, just only the guys that he really, really liked and maybe not expanding the board a little more. Yeah, I'd say that's a little bit fair. Um, and people had this expectation that Notre Dame should be one of the best offensive lines in the country every year. Mm-hmm. And I also think that's kind of fair. But I also think there's been like, it's gone too far in, a, in, a, in one direction as with Harry Heesand, like how like, you know, his lines just weren't that good. And it's like, no, nah, he had some pretty good lines. Like it's that, it that 2017 line was unbelievable. 2017, they won the Joe Moore award. Yeah. 2015, they were a finalist for the Joe Moore award. Right. Um, go back and look at the, the, you know, the 2012 team, right. His first year. Like they only had two NFL players on that thing. And it was, it was Zach Martin and uh, Chris Watt. Like the other guys weren't like high level players, like compared to what they were um, later on. And I don't know, like, it's like, were they dominating enough? Like probably not, but it's like, I mean, so Georgia wasn't a finalist for the Joe Moore award the last couple of years. Right. And you're like, wow, Georgia, like, how, how come? Like, it was like, I think their old line played pretty good. <laughs> you know, like they, they, they were fine. Yeah. Um, and I think you got to give credits where credits due to Michigan, um, you know, and, and where their kind of standard has been on the offensive line and how they've played. Um, but I think it's like, because he wasn't the best or they weren't the most dominating every year, all of a sudden he sucks. And that, yeah. that is something that happens and not just Notre Dame fans that happens to sports fans in general, right. Where, where, where it's just like a, an overreaction to it. And I'd say that was, I, I, those vibes are, are, are happening a little bit too much with he stand now. Um, I mean, yeah, he was a pretty good coach. Uh, he was a pretty good coach. And obviously a guy who developed talent. I, I think the one thing too, that I didn't mention in terms of a fair criticism of him too, is like, I think he focused a lot on the starters and there's a reason why those guys were able to just individually reach like such far. Yeah. Right? So great. But sometimes too, when the back end of the roster um, wasn't good because of it. Right. And I, I think the, um, I think too the, like if you're looking at that 2018 class that he kind of left with where he was kind of already on the way out the door, like, I mean, that was a bad offensive line class that he left him with. And that's part of his legacy at Notre Dame too. I think a key for he stands success, given what you just said is that he had very good injury luck as a coach. He never, the, the offensive tackle that he started with out on the left side, never got hurt. It was always that guy. Never lost Mike McGlinchey. Never lost Ronnie Stanley, you know, like never Zach lost Martin. Q, 
Zach Martin, like he never lost Q. Like those guys never got hurt. And because of the fact that like he had very good continuity. Well, Quentin Nelson missed, missed some games in 2015, but yeah. In 15, he missed some games. He replaced by Alex Bars. But like, but yeah. he missed a game and then Alex Bars got hurt and then they put Quentin Nelson back in. So it was never like you had to play Trevor Ruling. Like nothing like what happened in 2021 ever happened to Harry Easton, you know? And that's fortunate for him, right? Um, but I think you look at a guy like Rocco. I think it's fair to ask, like, would Rocco be in this position if Harry Heastan was the coach? Probably Because not. Harry has his guys, and if you're not his guy, then it's just like you don't, you don't get developed like that. Yeah. That's just my impression, right? It's just what, kind of what I've noticed. Jamie says it's, he thinks it's fair. And so I, I think it's, I think it's probably fair. I think it's fair. So, so I, think that's, I think that's something to say. Obviously turned out some great, great lines. Like phenomenal stuff, you know. Um, so you know that's. I mean, I think we've covered a good, but good amount of ground there on on him. And um, you know, if he was still Notre Dame's offensive coach or offensive line coach, I, I'd be fine with it. I think he does a good job. So, um, all right, uh, BTJ uh, BJT nine one one. I see many people talk about Howard Cross and how undersized he is, but he just seems to flash a lot. In your opinion, what intangibles allow? For this, and do you see him making a big jump this season, or just more of a compliment to the defense? Um, he's a really good player. Uh, I don't. Th that's the one thing that kind of gets lost to with the undersized part is that he's never bullied in yeah. the run game. He never gets bullied. He, he's never a guy that you see like, wow, he just got his butt kicked, right? Like mm -hmm. it's kind of similar to Heinish, where you're like, he was never the biggest guy, but you never saw Heinish, like. I mean, it's not like he was graded out 100%, but he he never was physically dominated, right? And I think that's the same thing with Cross. And I think both those guys kind of have similar traits in terms of like they have really good first step, quick hands, heavy hands. Um, I think Cross is a little bit more explosive lateral movement, but they both play with really good leverage, right? And that's the the main thing. Obviously, he's shorter, right? He's, he's, he's you know, just under 6'1". Uh, so th th that helps, but, um, I don't know about a big jump. Um, also like he's going to be a nose guard in the base defense. So that isn't a position where that is made for a ton of havoc or anything like that. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, but I do expect him to be better than he was last year. He's been the guy when they've gone sub packages, he's been the defensive tackle that they put out there. So I think he'll, you know, he'll obviously get some chances to rush the passer there. And I think he can, and the fact that he is in there and it's not, um, you know, mills that they, they haven't put mills there or they haven't put somebody else there. Like that shows you that like, they're obviously they believe in, in his talent as a pass rusher too. Yeah. Um, so I think he's going to have a good year. Um, I don't know. I mean, I wouldn't say he's going to be dominant, but I, I think there were times last year where he was the best defensive lineman for Notre Dame. And I mean, it could be that again this year. Um, I mean, I, I really like him as a player. Um, Jamie, do you know about this guitar problem? Cause I, think, I'm... He was, I think he was asking about the guards. Oh, I think it was a, it was guard a correct. Oh, okay. Yeah. Oh, okay. Got it. Um, Guard problem. So David Lowe is asking um, the the guard problem. Bad player just held the competition. I don't I don't have any reason to think it's bad play. 
So I'll say it's uh, healthy competition. Like part of that, and and also like it might not be bad play, but it's not the at the level that you uh, want the want it to be yet. Or else one of those guys, or else they would have said, you know, well Pat Coogan is that guy. Like they would have said that, you know. So I think uh, that's the kind of way to look at it. And I I do think that like you'll probably, uh, or, I mean, we're gonna find out in that first yeah. month. Right, we're gonna find out in that. I, 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 I would, I disagree. Like with the premise of like calling it a problem. I mean, the guard situation. I guess two new yeah. guards. I wouldn't call it a yeah. problem. I don't know if it's a problem. So, so like you said, we'll see. Um, all right, fifth quarter iris is a long one. Uh, so, so we'll uh, we'll land the plane here. Uh, most would agree the team has very good depth. We also believe good corners and not just two of them. Hartman has the ability to read defenses and attack more of the field will help the running game and make the offense hard to stop. Uh, given that, does it make sense to leverage your depth and your corners to attack a lot on defense? Go for havoc rate, not in a crazy way. Just load the box more and hurry up the quarterback. Complement that with a bit more up tempo on offense with an RPO game to leverage Hartman and put opponents in a bind. So basically, basically attack the game, right? We are going to, we are going to get you the ball out of your hands. We're going to play a lot of aggressive man defense. We're going to send pressure. We're going to get the ball away from you. And then we're on offense. We're going to be playing tempo because we want we want to put you in bad situations with our quarterback who is very experienced and knows what to do with the ball. Like, do you agree? Because I, I think it, by contrast to last year, everything was very, like, slowed down. Everything was very, um, we want to control the ball, like against Ohio State, like, you know, we're, we're, we're going to take all the, the time on the clock and that sort of thing. We're going to run it down. Do you feel like Notre Dame should play the opposite this year, given you feel like they have an advantage with their defense and an advantage at quarterback against teams? I mean, I think they should definitely run more tempo and more RPOs this year. And it's something that we've talked For about sure. a lot, right? Because it suits Hartman. Yeah. And you want to do something that, um, you know, play to the strengths of your personnel and your quarterback that's some of the strengths, right? And I think we saw that. That's part of the reason why he had so much success in the spring game is because they were doing that, right? And he looked great doing it. So um, I don't know why you wouldn't do that. Like, it's it's funny because there was that dumb anonymous uh, quote, uh, you know, cough, cough, Narduzzi, that, uh, you know, in, in the thing where he was talking about how this guy's just an RPO quarterback or whatever. It's like, okay, even if he was just an RPO quarterback, I mean, he was really good at it. So why wouldn't you run more RPOs, you know, right. at, at um, you know, and it doesn't have to be slow mesh, right? Like it, it, he obviously didn't do slow mesh when they were doing it in the spring game. Right. Or, or when, when we saw him, um, you know, he made a big play on an RPO in, in the scrimmage uh, yeah. last week or uh, whenever it was two weeks or last week, whenever it was. Mm -hmm. But uh, so I, I think, you know, that from that perspective, I think that totally makes sense um in in that way uh but i i think so much of it is the opponent dependent in terms of like how much you're gonna attack like i think in, it's with certain teams if there's certain teams where you know like man our corners are just gonna dominate these receivers they these guys don't got it they don't have they don't have receivers that can challenge our, our corners well if that's the case then yeah you can load up and say okay like 
I dare you to throw it to these guys outside because they're not yeah. going to beat our guys. That's fine. But when you're playing against Ohio State and they have Marvin Harrison and, and Emeka Egbukwa and, and a bunch of other dudes that could probably start for Notre Dame and you got USC and they got a boatload of receivers and or you're playing Wake Forest and you know that their game is like we're going to take those shots – it would be stupid to be like, okay, we're going to leave the corners on an island all day, and these guys are just going to have to cover cover go balls and back shoulders the whole game long or whatever. And it's like, no, make them prove that Wake Forest prove that they can run the ball on you with like a light box, yeah. and if they can't, they're screwed, right? So you have to play to, um, you know, you, you have to play to the opponent um, in terms of so in terms of loading the box, but. In terms of havoc rate on like third down and attacking, yeah, that's why you got those corners. Like, yeah, you can take more chances, you can create more pressure, you can bring more pressure, you can do more games up front. You can do a lot of that stuff because you have those corners. And I think, yeah, you definitely take advantage of that in on third downs. Plus, I think you know, going zone, you know, showing like there was a clip on um, on Twitter that I kind of highlighted, this was a couple, maybe last week sometime. It, it was a, it was a, it was a, 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 a zone coverage where you're showing press man and you drop off into basically uh, a cover two. And because Notre Dame figures to play so much man, like going in zone like that is, is a surprise, right? Everyone knows Notre Dame has good corners. You can expect that sort of thing. Um, something that frankly Cincinnati did quite a bit, you know, and I always point to like, look what Cincinnati was able to do when they had Kobe Bryant and Sauce Gardner. Like that, ch that changes everything for you. Um, but at the same time, you know, do you want to go a bunch of press man against a team like USC, regardless of their receivers? Do you want your defensive backs with their back turned running down the field and Caleb Williams the way he can escape? He gets out of the pocket. You got you got a bunch of guys running you twenty yards down the field. Man to man, all games. It's just, it's just yeah, burned. like you're you're really setting yourself up in a bad way there. So, those are the type of things you have to consider. Um, I think generally speaking, yes, like we I think we will see a lot more pressure, and we because of the corners and because of the way that they can cover in the back, and we'll see a lot more. We'll see a lot more variations as well because of that, because it allows you to do so many things. Um, and on offense, I say you push it. I, I agree with this completely. You, you push, you push, you push. Um, you put the pressure on the defense. Like every time a team goes tempo against Notre Dame, it's effective and it makes Notre Dame uncomfortable. So it's time for Notre Dame to start doing that to other teams. So um, I think we're kind of on the right track there. Uh, JP uh, uh, Doc 31. Uh, is there much uh, known about the blocking ability of our current group of wide receivers? Uh, do you guys think the opening day tight end being eventually drafted will continue? And um, if Ashton Craig is asked to play for a sustained period, are there areas where he might potentially already be stronger than Corral? Um, so let's go to the first one. Uh, have you seen anything in camp about the receivers blocking or, you know, anything notable there? I think some of it is you're just going to have to wait and see till some of these guys get into the games. We see more of it. Um, you know, because there's so many young guys. So, like, Tobias Merriweather, you got to see it on a consistent basis uh, from him in terms of what he's doing, blocking. 
Um, but I mean, in saying that, they used him as a blocker towards the end of last year, and yeah, he did fine. Uh, Jaden Thomas is a good blocker, like he's gonna be a weapon for, for Notre Dame and, and especially with the way they used him. I don't think he'll be quite used the same because he's obviously a more prominent role in terms of being like a wide receiver one. Uh, but yeah, that's he can block, he, he'll be fine, and he's obviously I think the do. competition in practice lends itself to that stuff too. Yeah, and um, and I'll say too, like I I would have said like uh oh, maybe Tyree, because you know he's obviously not the biggest guy, but I what I thought about it and kind of what and after talking with someone you know close to the program is that they are like, oh Tyree's like he's doing fine blocking, like because he's I mean was not afraid of the contact in terms of blitz pickup and stuff like that. Yeah. And it's just, it's continued. Right. So obviously it's different technique and you have to get better and improve there, but I mean, he's definitely going to be willing and all that. So, um, I mean, in the freshman guys, it's just like, you know, where they're, where are they going to be? Well, you know, mm-hmm. Colsey, I think can block and all that. So I think they will be fine for the most part. Um, I don't know. What do you think? Yeah, I, 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 I honestly, I, I generally don't, con- I don't get concerned about this. It, I don't think you can play for a Marcus Freeman team and be soft. It just and blocking at wide receiver is basically about effort. I, I just don't see it. I don't think you can do it. I, I don't think you would stand for that. Um, uh, opening day tight end. I have no reason to believe that this will change anytime soon. Book it. He's yeah. whatever. I don't care who, which one is yeah. starting, whether it's Evans or stays or whatever. That guy is getting drafted in the NFL. Mitchell Evans too. He, even if he doesn't become, uh, you know, like kind of what we were, what we were saying that he ends up being playing, maybe playing the most snaps, but not being the most targeted. He's still going to get drafted because he can block. Yeah. Right. So yeah. it's like, he's, he's going to, you you don't realize how many tight ends in college football don't know how to block at all. And that, that that's one of the reasons why Notre Dame guys keep getting drafted. Even some of the guys that frankly weren't that great at Notre Dame. You uh, brought right. I mean, well, he didn't get drafted, but he's playing in the league. But he's in the NFL. Yeah. 13 and I would say, I think you'd say like Durham Smythe. He certainly didn't have like this prolific career. He was a fourth round draft pick. It's yeah. a fourth round draft pick, right? Like, um, you know, because he was like a good blocker, like not even a great one, a good one, right? So, um, yeah, it's uh, that streak will continue. That's why I don't worry about like Nate Roberts decommits from Notre Dame. Okay, it's nothing. It's it's and, and someone it's else said he's not it, a good. Right? Yeah, it's not that it's he's not a good prospect. He is, but like also the difference between him and and James Flanagan, who I think. I think Notre Dame is in a good position to get. Yeah. Um, Not big, not big. And if anything, I think what's his face is more Paul Roberts is more polished right now. And Flanagan, I think has a higher upside as an athlete. So, um, and they're going to get another guy who's really good too. And think of all the, the second tight end guys that they've gotten that ended up being really, really good. So like, yeah, I mean, Eli Raritan was the second tight end. Tommy Tremble was the second tight end. Mitchell Evans, like, good play. I mean, they're pretty good. They're yeah. going to be fine. And they have enough guys that, uh, you know, 
which is also just mind blowing that Roberts was like, what? I thought I was going to be the only one. It's like, bro, like it's, uh, it's tight on you. Like they, the whole they have, yeah, it's, it's going to be competition, thing. man. Yeah. Yeah. Tyler, thanks for the super chat. Uh, appreciate you lurking, even though you're at work. Um, strong opinions on Ashton Craig, Jamie. Uh, yeah. I mean, I don't, first of all, I think there was another question about Corral later, so we can maybe skip yeah. that one later and just get that to it now. But I, I don't think he's going to be out for a sustained period. Like it I mean, sounds he practiced like yesterday. He practiced, you know, not full, but he was in yeah. pads and he was not off to the side. So that's obviously a yeah. good, uh, you know, situation. So I would expect him to play against Navy. Um, so definitely not like for a sustained period that he'd be out. Um, but just in terms of Ashton Craig and, I think Ashton Craig has a very bright future. Um, you know, you got to remember he's redshirt; he hasn't played a snap. Yeah. Uh, you know, compared to Corral, so if he had to play, yeah, it's going to be a step back in, in that sense. But he's bigger than Corral. Uh, he's probably not stronger because he's only a year into the, the the system. But he's bigger. He's longer. He's a better athlete. Like his ceiling is higher. Like I don't think C. Corral is going to play in the NFL. I would be surprised if he plays in the NFL. And I think Ashton Craig has a chance to play in the NFL as a center. Okay. Um, Irish one, what freshman are you most excited about? Interested to see play. Uh, we don't need to talk about Zeke Corral. Uh, number two quarterback. Uh, number two quarterback is Steve Angeli. So that's easy to answer. Um, but what freshman are you most excited about, Jamie? I mean, I think great house of Flores. Right. Like I, I think just because you know that those guys are going to play, right. They're going to play. They're going to be involved. I mean, I don't think these guys are going to put up like monster numbers, but they're going to contribute and they're going to make plays during, during the season. So I think that, um, you know, just because of that and because of the camps they had, because of the Springs they had. Yeah. I, I think it's easy to just pick them, but, I'm, I mean, I'm excited about Drake Bowen, uh, Christian Gray. Um, I don't know if Jaden Osbury or Bubakar Trey. I'm not sure how much those guys are going to play, but I'm very excited about those guys yeah. as well. But just in terms of most interested to see play and the guys that I think are going to play would be have to be great as Flores. I mean, you mentioned everybody. I would just say Matt said uh, he called it that Jeremiah Love would return a kickoff for a touchdown. I want to see that. Let's see that. That would be awesome. You know, I'm very intrigued by him. I'm very intrigued by Dylan McCullough said he was going to play too this year. So. Yeah. So that's, he's, that's a big deal. Um, God's asking who goes one, two, three, four between all the ISD fat staff in the 40. Um, well, I think everyone knows who's running first. Um, me. That's me. No. False. False. But that's fine. Um, you know, look at no, I people. No, 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 no. Uh, Greg, I'm sure Greg, Greg uh, would win. But I can tell you, there's, there's no way that anyone else in the staff would be beating me in a forty. I mean, <laughs> my hamstring might tear off, but none of Shots those guys fired at Christian. We got none get of those Christian. guys. None <laughs> of those guys are beating me in a forty. Christian, Christian's still home, man. We got, we got to. Yeah. I mean, we have to do something. Uh, it's good. I mean, who knows? Maybe Drew is lurking. Like maybe Drew is just like men a... talk. I oh, actually, you know what? I I wasn't considering men talk there. Men talk. I mean, men he's talk fit. looks like he he's looks like he boy. probably ran cross country in high school or something too. <laughs> yeah, I, he, yeah. He might. I, he's maybe he's got a Peloton. 
He's got Peloton at home. He's working on those quads. He's in good shape. He's in good uh, shape. Josh Miller, thanks for the super chat. Thanks for all the off-season content, especially the background bird noise that put me in this end zone for sure, <laughs> man. You know what though? I I figured there's not going to be a lot of birds because I close the I'm closing the uh, the garage now. So, um, all right, next question. Uh, let's see. What is this? Celezo VLK. Uh, college football world outside of Notre Dame. Heard it mentioned on the past about offensive coordinators making the game easier for quarterbacks. What coaches in college football put the most on the shoulders of quarterbacks, and what does that look like? Winning team. I'd be lying if I told you which which coordinators uh, were the ones who were putting the most on, on quarterbacks. Like, I can't. I I was trying to think of them, and I'm like, man, I I probably miss like a bunch of different people that do that. But for the most part, you don't get a lot of uh, coordinators that put like too much at all because they're playing with their jobs, right? Like yeah. the, the reason why the offensive coordinators is, you know, doing like why all of a sudden they're doing these look plays all the time for, for, for um, Tommy Reese last year is because he's like, these guys are getting us in the right place. I got to get us in the right place. Yeah. And that's why they're doing they're why there's always doing those check with me's, right? Like that is a part of it. And it's not to say that maybe a guy like Tommy Reese would, you know, in terms of like, you know, getting guys to make full field, field reads, um, getting guys to uh, set the protection, stuff like that. Like that's happening. But even with some of these guys, they don't even have to do that. Right. So it's, it's a lot different depending on where um, where you're at and what kind of offense you play in. Um, and a lot of it is because they don't want to risk the chance of like, I'm putting this guy who's, you know, 18 years old and all of a sudden he's got to know all of this to be able to play. And that might cost me my job. And then the other thing is if, if the 18 year old's the best talent on the team, you want to get them on the field, right? So that's part of it too. Yeah. I mean, yeah. So anytime, so like, look, I mean, you know, the, the word was like Brian Kelly, whenever he had an experienced quarterback, he would give them more. And that would kind of slow things down a little bit, you know, in terms of their progression. Cause like you're, it's, it's harder. Like you say, full field reads, like a lot of college quarterbacks are not doing that. They're only seeing half the field. Um, that's why sometimes you'll hear a term like it's a live route. So some some routes that guys run, like they're not live routes. The quarterback's not looking over there. If if if, if they don't see the first two reads, they're going to tuck or they're going to drop dunk it or something. Like they're not going to go to the other side of the field. Um, I mean, a lot of the stuff you see at like Tennessee, like that's a super quarterback friendly offense because the reads are so simple. The routes they're running are so simple. Like the route combinations, like they're not very complex. You're not changing your route based on um, the defense and what the defense puts out there. Right. Um, so a lot of that stuff is predetermined. Um, so that's, that's kind of what it is. Right. Um, I think, I think Ian book had a lot on his shoulders in 2020, um, which is why like, you know, People, people say like, oh, you know, like he, the, the quarterback gets, that's why, that's why he gets drafted in the fourth round. People say, wow, how does he get drafted in the fourth round? It's because he knows, like he knows a lot. Right. And he talked about this when I talked to him on this pod, like 
yeah, Notre Dame prepared me because I was I was so advanced that way. Um, so that's that's kind of what it looks like. It's kind of what it looks like. Um, all right, Army seventy two. Coach Stuckey has turned out to be an excellent recruiter. Can you notice a difference in his coaching or receivers technique that would separate him from his predecessor? I mean, you can notice a difference because he's obviously a different guy than Dell Alexander, and he's mm. teaching different details um, than Dell Alexander. Um, but I mean, I think th this is the big difference between him as a recruiter and him as a coach compared to Dell Alexander. Chancey Stuckey is hungry, like he is. A, he, there's a reason why he's a rising star. And, and a guy who was like, oh, we want to hire this guy, even though he's only had one year of experience in it. Yeah. I mean, that he, he is hungry to learn, hungry to get better, hungry to um, get his guys and develop his guys to recruit the best players possible, to develop those players the best way he can. And Dell Alexander was not hungry, at, at least not at the definitely not at the end, right? Because yeah. I think. There are players who played for Dell have said he was a good coach and he was, he helped them. Like Miles Boykin has been on the record saying like, he's the best wide receivers coach I ever had. I learned so much from him and all, all that kind of stuff. Right. Like that stuff isn't false. Right. That's not just him, uh, you know, making it up. Um, but Dell, I, I mean, I, I think you could just look at just the results and you could say this, but you could also like, this is what I heard about Dell is that he was like, kind of like, uh, for lack of a better term, like fat and happy, you know, like yeah. he was like, I mean, I'm at Notre Dame. Like I can just get this other guy. Right. Like I, I, I won't get this guy, but I can get this other guy. And I, I, you know, I, if I'm, I would have to work harder for it if I was at somewhere else. And like, I think that was the mentality. Right. And that was Brian Kelly's mentality. I think that was his mentality for sure in, in recruiting. And um, I think, and that's also too, why you keep a guy like Dell Alexander on staff, even though, you know, that's kind of how he is too. Right. Because it's like the head coach drives it just like how Marcus Freeman is driving all these other guys as recruiters. Right. So um, I think that's the biggest difference between, the two and uh, why it's like refreshing for people to see a guy like uh, Chancey Stucky to get that job yeah. and, and obviously excel. Uh, as far as technique and stuff, um, the one-on-ones that we saw yesterday was really good from a technique standpoint, uh, both receivers and defensive backs. Um, there was just a lot there in terms of, you know, trying to set up a route this way, um, having something taken away and then having like a backup plan. Uh, Jaden Greathouse is like Footwork really good at releases this. really good right. at this. I mean, Jaden Greathouse like finds a way to, even when something is taken away, he knows how to kind of get back to it. Um, really good stuff. I was debating doing a video on it. I'm not sure if I will, or I don't know if I'll have the time, but it's, it's really good. So check that out. Um, it's on the Irish sports daily uh, YouTube page. Um, all right, next question. Uh, Keenan uh, Knight, based on last year and this time as DC, would you assess Freeman's ability to make in-game adjustments? I found this to be a strength of Kelly and previous staffs from 17 to 21, which helped us losses, which helped us avoid losses like Marshall and Stanford. Um, 
I don't know. I, you know what? I don't know how to judge Marcus Freeman on his in-game adjustments, especially from last year. Um, especially because on offense, it's like he's not the guy making the calls of what they're adjusting to. And the the other thing is I think people always put it at like, man, Brian Kelly, those in-game adjustments. Like, I mean, I'm not saying he didn't have a say, but a lot of the adjustments that are made within a game are not even coordinator. Some of it is coordinator based, but a lot of it is um, position coach. Yeah. Right. And all these guys working together because you can't just say like, hey, we're going to do this now. And then all of a sudden, you know, the D line coach, you know, the D line coach is like, what? Like, <laughs> we never worked on it. Like, you know, you have to have it all together and you have to be working together. Um, and what I'll say about like Marshall and Stanford is if you said Ian Book was the quarterback in those games, they don't lose those games. Yeah. No way. They don't. And and you look at there's games like um, look at 2019 uh, Virginia Tech, right? And Book was not good during that game. But when it was time, he was clutch. And wasn't an adjustment that they uh, – I mean, he was bad against drop eight all day. So they kept running drop eight on the final drive. And then all of a sudden, the guy was just like money. And they were just picking them apart. And I don't know mm -hmm. if that is adjustments or if that's just him just performing better. Because it seemed like he was just better with it. Like that was a lot of it was book based. Right. And then I think like, look at that 2021 that there's so many games in 2021, like that Toledo game it was like, what was the adjustment there? I mean, the adjustment was they decided to add Buckner as a runner or like that was in the game plan. And Cone just clutched it up on the last drive, really, right? After throwing a pick earlier, right? Like, I don't think mm -hmm. that was, like, a big adjustment. Like, that Virginia Tech game, I don't even know if they would have went with Cone if, unless Tyler Buckner hurt his ankle. Like, some of these things were like, man, that second half. was like, what was the adjustment there? And even the um, – the so 2020 North Carolina game, right, which was like a, oh, man, Clark Lee just – what a master of this adjustment. Even Clark Lee said after the game that it was an adjustment. It was just the game plan. They just executed better after the first two drives. Yeah. So it's sometimes, I mean, adjustments, I mean, I don't want to say they don't matter because they do. You have to make adjustments during a game, especially when someone's showing you something else. But if, they're not as important as the preparation before it is, is what I'll say. And also the players who are executing it. So I, I don't know, like, I, I don't know how to assess his ability there in terms of in-game adjustments. Um, but my guess is that just in general, the staff in general will be better, you know, with him leading it because, it's his second year and it's their second year with most of the guys working together. Yeah. Plus like, so the, the Virginia tech game, like you talked about in 21, like, of course they went two minute. They were down eight with three minutes left, you know, like they had yeah. to go fast. They had no choice. Um, so like, congratulations on going, you know, fast with three minutes left and you're down eight points and they weren't going to, I mean, they, like, like what, 
what happened in that situation, like they kind of fell into the answer with Jack Cohn because they had to go the two minute, you know? And so to your point, like it's, that's not really an adjustment. It just, it was something you had to do. And the other thing is like, we're talking about the way that Brian Kelly was able to make adjustments at Notre Dame in his 11th season, 12th season. I don't remember him making like a ton of adjustments in 2010. Like, I don't remember him. I remember him having a similar, like he got the team turned around, you know? Yeah. And that's what I take away from Marcus Freeman is he, that they were 0-2 having just lost Tyler Buckner. Last year could have been. Could have been four, a disaster. It could have been 4-8. and eight. It could have been 5-7. and seven. And he got them to the Clemson game. Was they we, they beat Clemson by 21 points in a game that completely dominated them like that for him to get to the, the team to that point you're sitting there and after that game it's seven and three you just went seven and one after starting zero and two with um you know some of the better teams on the schedule coming afterwards I just like that to me is like that's a really good job less so than the adjustments that we're talking about um because we don't, we don't really know, right? Sometimes you can make adjustments when you're already winning, you know. Like you don't, you don't. We don't really know the things that they're changing at the end. Um, so that's something to keep in mind. Um, all right, Irish KG 07. Let's see. Uh, Phil Still in the depths of statistical analysis uh, has Notre Dame projected to average 36 points per game. Um, why do you think that? You know, last year he had him at 35.5. Why do you think that um, Sam Hartman hasn't essentially moved the needle um, in terms of, I guess, the national narrative um, for Notre Dame? I mean, who the heck knows with those position rankings? I think it's just like you're throwing darts at, you know, like it's it's yeah. like I, I don't think like I'm not saying he doesn't put thought into it or whatever or added numbers there or whatever. But like, I mean, does it really make sense? That doesn't make sense at all about that the Hartman part of it. Right. Yeah. Like, and they certainly, cause it was not like Hartman had um, more experience. It might just be that he feels better about some of these other quarterback situations this year. I don't know. I didn't look at the, the total list of it. So I think that's kind of the way to kind of look at it there. But I mean, I the idea is if Phil still had them averaging 35 and a half with Buckner, why not more than 36 with Hartman is basically what, he's saying i think it's like you put numbers into uh a, a thing based yeah, on I these don't know. power rankings and stuff that are right. like the number of returning people and all that and i'm not saying it doesn't like some of the some of it matters or whatever he, he's you know he'll tell you five million times in his his uh magazine how accurate he's been compared to everybody else so i don't want to just totally discount it but like I, I don't know. Like it's it's like one of these things where everything we're talking about in the preseason is about the ceiling of the team. Yeah. Right. Because and that's the way it should be, right? Because you're not talking about like it's it's easy to say, like, this is what the team is. I don't know what the team is going to be when they play Ohio State, you know, five, six weeks from now. Like Greg doesn't know. We don't know. No one knows, right? Because we have to see what's the health of the team, right? Yeah have some of these guys taken steps are is all of a sudden like is Holden stays all of a sudden just like 
oh, he's dude number one out there, right? Is Tobias Merriweather tearing it up? Like, or is, are you getting nothing from those guys? Are you getting the something? It, like, there's all these other factors that go into it. So all you can really talk about is kind of the ceiling and um, where it is. And I, I mean, I'll just say too that like, so uh, I recorded a thing for the Notre Dame senior alumni. It was like a preview show. Uh, and like Eric Hansen from Inside ND Sports, uh, he was on it as well as, as as Mike Golick, and we've done it the last three years. And we had to talk about, you know, you're talking about the season, you're going through the, the schedule, you're going through, you know, kind of like the offensive defense, we're breaking it down. And I think one big thing that I would take away from that, uh, you know, in talking with Eric about it too, is that like this, what we, how we view the ceiling of Notre Dame changed uh during camp yeah like the ceiling is higher than i thought right Um, and you know and that doesn't always happen because sometimes you go into camp and you're like i mean they might be really good but there's still a lot of unknowns and i think there's more i think there's a little bit more knowns now than there was then and and whatever you, you can say like okay that's camp and and we'll see how it goes but you know, I've been, this is my ninth camp that I've done it for, I covered it at Notre Dame for ISD. It's, I don't know, 30 something for, for Eric Hansen. Obviously Mike Golick has covered a lot of football. I mean, he wasn't in camp. That was more me and Eric talking about mm-hmm. that part of it. But, you know, it's, it is something when you see that from, from a team during camp. So I think um, that is, is why it's one of those things where it's like, when we're talking about moving the needle in camp, it's like, well, I mean, Phil Steele's not in camp. You know what I mean? So it's just like, it's hard to say. Yeah. It's like national people that they don't, they don't cover the team like we do. So they're not going to have as much information to go off of. So it's just, they're reading a lot into Marcus Freeman press conference quotes. Yeah. Right. So it's just, you know, it people, national people talk about Notre Dame. I, I don't listen because it's just like, I, I don't know. I know more about it. Why would I listen to someone else? Um, some way Charlie says, with the apparent strength of the running back, how do you see the playing time being divided up this season? Obviously, Audric is the RB1, but it seems like we have a number of guys who be, could be RB2, RB3. Nice problem to have, though. Um, yeah, like, I don't – I think it, I think it's going to be, like, evolving, honestly. I, I think there will be games when, like, there, the, honestly, there might be a Devin Ford game. And there might be a, a Jabron Payne game and a Jadarian Price game. And there might be a game where Jeremiah Love gets 10 carries randomly, you know? I, I think the only constant will be Estime. Um, and the rest of it, I, I bet you they all get around, like, f- between, like, 50 and 70. I, I, I can't see a, the backup running back just, like, after Estime getting more than, like, 100 carries. I just don't think that's in the cards this year. There's too many of them. Um, and I think that's totally fine, too, by the way. I think that's a good way to do it. I think it's a good way to keep everyone involved. Um, this, they seem to like Devin Ford quite a bit. I think they know, I think they want to get Jeremiah Love involved. Obviously, Jadarian Price and Jabron Payne's been playing well. Um, so, you know, I think there's a lot there. I think there's a lot there. I I, I it's going to be just like backup running back by committee, basically. 
Um, I totally agree with, with, with all that. I, I, you know, the only thing I would say is that pain seems pretty obvious as the number two to start. Yeah. But I think that could easily be a fluid situation. It might just be that he's this guy that all of a sudden you're like, wow, this one, two punch, right? It, it could end up being that, but it could end up being completely different. I think even you could go back to 2020 and like, uh, um, God, why am I forgetting his name right now? The guy who transferred to Pitt, um, uh, Sebo, Sebo, Sebo Flemister. He had a couple hundred yard games in, in yeah. 2020, right? So it's just things can happen, right? Where someone becomes a big part of a, of, of a game from week to week. And I think that's going to happen. I think what you'll probably see is because, you know, they say they're going to play like five guys, right? Well, I think they'll probably end up settling on three, you know, and it'll be, but like you said, Greg, uh, it, it'll be Audric will be the guy who gets, he, he'll be RB one with a bullet. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Iris KG uh, 07. Let me blow this up a little bit. Uh, Jamie noted in his article, the high school offenses that the freshman wide receivers played in how it better prepared them. Do you think that's something coach Stucky focuses on in recruiting and perhaps contributes to why, how he brought in players that look ready to contribute so early. This group is clearly different than what we're used to. Did he get lucky or might've been a better way of choosing targets? Lucky stuff um, or lucky Stucky stuff. strategy. I no. I, I mean, I know that he values that, um, that those guys have that experience and then they, they have, they came from those programs and that they, um, you know, or had like more polish to their game and, and already had some of that, um, that they're ahead of the curve in, in a lot of ways. Right. So it's definitely something he values, but I don't think that's like the number one thing or the, the top priority or like, you know, it's one of many. Right. So, cause obviously he really likes Braylon James too, in terms of what he can do. It's just that, you know, James isn't as polished now, but he's got You got to take some guys that aren't going to be um, as developed in certain ways. And there's some guys you got to develop more and there's some guys that, but that have maybe a higher ceiling and there's going to be other guys that are, um, you know, have higher floors and you probably want to get a mix really right of, of of a bunch of those guys i mean if you can get all guys who are polished and they what you want is things. you want is cam williams you want four of those yeah even i think though like cam williams i wouldn't say he's not uh as developed as those guys are right. in terms of uh you know he certainly has i i would say talent wise he's above those guys but just um he's not as developed as those guys are in terms of like the offense he plays in or just his regular route running and stuff like that. I think he's not quite at that level. Um, But I mean, it would be stupid to be like, well, eh, I'm not going to take Cam Williams because whatever. No, you gotta, you gotta, um, I wouldn't call it luck with Stucky. I think, I think it's strategy, uh, but I don't think that's the only strategy. Is what I would say. I think so. It's like, Great house in Flores. Both really good route runners, technicians, all that stuff. Neither are burners. And I think that if you're not going to be a supreme athlete, like you can run, then you better be able to run routes 
You better be able to catch. You better be technically sound. Like, I don't know that he would recruit someone like Deion Colsey, who doesn't, isn't a great route runner and doesn't have elite long speed. You know, I don't know that he would recruit him. Maybe he would. You know, I, 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 I can't, I'm just saying neither of those guys fits that. Um, like Micah Gilbert, right? Like he is a good route runner. He's also super physical, but he's a good route runner. Cam Williams, we'd already talked about. Um, Logan Saldate, like he is, he's a good route runner and he has, he has the long speed as well. So he, he's kind of a mix. He doesn't have that size. But like, look at Braylon James. He's he's not as technically sound, but he's got the long speed, right? He's very fast. Isaiah Canyon, same thing. Didn't have the didn't have the technical, but he had that long speed, right? And that athleticism. So I think that's how I see it. It's like if you're not going to be an elite athlete, like you better be technically sound. And I think that's what he's after. So um, I guess that's a strategy. I don't know. It makes sense, right? Like you don't you don't want you don't want low upside with low like low floor too that's not what you want so yeah uh, uh what is this snurg is that what that says uh yeah s snurg snurg um <laughs> the offense has a lot of new pieces and there's not an indication that it's all come together yet and you all have mentioned concerns about lack of explosives there seems to be a sense that the first four games are important for notre dame to get better on offense what would you want to see week to week in order to evaluate whether they're on track or not I mean, I think certainly you want to see some like explosive plays in the passing yeah. game. I think that's something you want to see. But I think efficiency, improved efficiency, uh, you know, that's something that I think would you would see from week to week where you'd want to see like, oh, the the efficiency, the execution, that is getting better, and that's every everything from uh, you know what you're seeing at receiver to what you're seeing up front, right? And specifically up front, though, too, I think that is definitely would be high on my list of like what you want want to see. Right. Yeah. But and the other thing I think is you just want to see like. Are guys building confidence like uh, is Hartman getting more confident in the players that he's throwing to is all of a sudden where, you know, you're going to see like, oh, Tobias Merriweather made this jump. It's like, well, he had a big game. He had a big game and you're like, wow, he's really taking another step. That's usually where it starts, right? Is you make plays and then you start to feel that confidence, right? And it's and it's a lot the consistency starts to build from there, right? So um I think that's what you want to see is guys making plays, building confidence. You want to see Jared Parker building his own confidence as a as yeah. a play caller, right? So um I think that would be the I think those are the most important things. I think for me with offense, especially is confidence. Yes. It's, it's playing with competence. Like you can tell when a player gets in the game and, or like not even a player, just like a team, everyone's working together. Everyone is like, they are all accountable to each other. Playing with accountability. That was something that my coaches talked about all the time. When you know, it's like, okay, I'm a wide receiver. We're calling a bubble. I'm going to block that guy, and that is my job, and I'm going to do it. The other guy, the, he catches the ball. I know I have to catch the ball, and he's going to block him this way, and that's how I'm going to react, right? The quarterback knows what to do when he gets a certain look on a certain play. 
the running backs know, okay, the blister's coming this way. I have to pick him up this way. Like there is, you can tell when a team, and, and I hate to say it because I don't like them, but Michigan, it when you watch them play, those guys are trained in this is my job and I'm doing my job and I'm being accountable to my teammates in doing the thing that I'm supposed to do. Michigan doesn't count on athletic ability. And some teams, you can tell, they are counting on their athletes to be athletes. And and look, U, USC is kind of like this. Like Lincoln Riley teams are like this. Like he counts on the, like his scheme to get his athletes open. You play a team like Utah sometimes, and it's like Utah is, is the type of team, and this is kind of what I would go after. Like I kind of understood going after Ludwig because like he got those players to all play together. Everyone is playing together. And that's what I'm looking for. That's what I look for in every team, right? Not every team has that. Um, I think the 2020 team was very good at this. I think they were very good at that. They didn't have the talent, but they played together. And so um, that's funny that you mentioned that 2020 team, because I think as you were saying that I was thinking about the 2020 team. And if, if you recall that Duke game was not a pretty game for the Notre Dame offense. And so that's the other thing it doesn't always look great out of the gate. Yeah. So it's not about that. It's about like, and, and it doesn't ha- even have to be like, okay, well now they took three steps forward this week and they take another three steps forward the next week. Yeah. It doesn't always work like that either. But as long as you're progressing forward and, and, and you're, you know, heading in the right direction, that's what matters. Yeah. All right. Next question, Philly and defense. Uh, thoughts on closing reps at safety as reported by Mentalk, just the Navy thing. Um, I don't think we know. He's a player. Um, I don't. Yes, I think he is a good player. I think he's. I don't think we know if it's just a Navy thing or if it's something more. Um, it wouldn't surprise me if if he is making a full time move there because one, I do think there is like some questions about depth there. Um, you know, after the first three guys, right? That's that's something I think because. I don't know how comfortable they are with Antonio Carter if they had to play him in a game yet. I don't know, right? Um, or or, or Aidan Schuler, right? Because those are four and five there. Yeah. I don't know if they want to like, oh, we got to move um, Thomas Harper there because right now it looks like he's the starting nickel. So yeah. if that also might mean that it's like, well, well, Harper's got the nickel job and we know Lewis knows how to play nickel but we need to train Lewis here because we need the depth. And also too, Lewis is a good player. And I mean, we've talked before how I think it probably is the best move for him in the long term if they did make that move and yeah. maybe for them as well. So I think we'll, we'll see. I mean, and there's another question that I didn't include because we're talking about it now, but someone asked, is it permanent? I think it's permanently an option. And I don't think it's for Navy because – they weren't running against the Navy offense when we saw the clips of that, you know, like they, they were in too deep or whatever it was like, they're not going to run that against Navy. They're not going to be no. in that formation against Navy. Like that wasn't Navy stuff. First of all, Notre Dame wouldn't show us Navy stuff. So no, that, that's definitely, that's it definitely wasn't that. I, I think that he's a good player. He's a good athlete. They know he can play in big games. He played really well against Ohio state last year. <laughs> For anyone who remembers that, and uh, and so 
it's like you want him out there. He's a good athlete. Like, would you, if you want to play someone at safety against Ohio State or USC or a team that's going to throw the ball out like Clemson, do you want GJ Brown back there or do you want Clarence Lewis back there? Maybe you want Clarence Lewis back there. You know, so it, it makes a lot more sense there, someone who can cover. Um, uh, so, you know, it's, uh, that, that's what I think about that. Um, so yeah, I think, I think it's a, I think it's a positive development. Good thing. Uh, Joe Irish says, um, most people ask about Notre Dame. I thought go out the beaten path with the rule changes return. Pun return is dying faster than the Villanilla ice music career. <laughs> what would you uh, think of incorporating some of the CFL rules for pun return and try to revive it? Uh, next money grab for college football is advertising on the uniform. Uh, I said over under five years. What side would you take? Uh, I would take the under. I think I'm that'll surprised happen. they haven't done it already. Yeah, I'm I'm so shocked too. Um, do do you have a great need to revive the punt return? Is that a big deal for you? No. Um, I mean, I do. Th- it's it can be an exciting play, um, but I definitely don't use the Canadian rules the five yard rule it's a dumb yeah. rule it's a yeah. dumb rule it looks stupid it's it's one of those rules like there's some cool stuff in in the canadian football league in terms of the the rules mm. uh that is not one of them it's stupid it's stupid it's like having the goal post right at the goal line yeah, yeah that's dumb that's a dumb thing someone could run right into that run in a post you're running a post right to the post it doesn't yeah. make sense uh, yeah, don't do that. Don't ever do that. I, I would be, be very much against that. And I mean, they could change certain stuff, but it's like, it's different rules in the NFL than it is, um, you know, college. And I mean, you don't see guys taking kicks back to house there too. It's because I, one thing I think too, is that it's coach better now. Yeah. Special teams is coached better, like much better because before it used to be kind of like an afterthought. I mean, it still is an afterthought for USC, but like for, um, you know, obviously for Notre Dame, it's not right. Yeah. Um, And uh, they proved that last year. And obviously, you know, they, they didn't decide to go when uh, Mason left. They didn't, when Brian Mason left, if, if it was an afterthought, they could have went, in another direction and not hired Marty Biagi, but they did hire Marty Biagi. Yeah. So. Okay. Uh, Irish one, have you heard about any stadium enhancements for game days? They've certainly improved things a bit over the past couple of years. So I was wondering if they will continue to make game day unique, supportive, energetic, all the while remembering it's Notre Dame. Um, I haven't heard anything new. Um, I think what they've done is fine. You know, I, I think they've with the lights and all that stuff. I think, I think they've done a good job. Yeah, I don't. I don't. Know. I haven't heard anything. Maybe Matt has. Uh, you know, tell me. I've. I've been. I've been saying Audric. Yeah. Estime wrong. So there you go. Estime. 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 Yeah. Uh, Irish one. Ask. Ask Matt in the. Uh, Matt said he's going to do a ask Matt thread on the board. So uh, ask him there. He might. He might have more information on that. Uh, Stonebreaker says, I know it's early. There's a ton of unknowns all over the place, but what's the general game plan going to be versus Ohio State? Uh, where do we match up well? Rank the three big games in order of importance, uh, please. Personally, I think it's OSU, USC, and then Clemson. What do you think? Appreciate it. Um, keep up the good work. 
uh, in terms of the order of importance, I think he ranked it. Uh, that's how I would rank it. Me too. I, I think Ohio State is the most important one. Um, and then USC and then Clemson. Um, what do you think they're going to do against uh, Ohio State, Jamie? Um, I think defensively it's going to be a little, pretty similar to what they did last year where they're going to try to make them drive the field. Yeah. Right? Not smart. You don't want to – you don't want to – you know, I saw somebody, uh, sorry, Justin Knox here mentioned the thing about, uh, you know, uh, Benjamin Morrison versus Marvin Harrison Jr. And it's not that, like, I mean, it'd be fun to see that matchup, but, I mean, you can't put that, you can't put anyone on an island against Marvin Harrison Jr. all day. Like, that's just not, a, that's not a winning strategy against Ohio State. You don't want to have too many one-on-ones. Um, you know, they they just have too much too much talent. Even if your corners are are as good as Notre Dame's, you just don't want to do that all day long. And you want to force them to drive the field, especially because they don't have CJ Stroud this year. And if you yeah. think about it, if they didn't have CJ Stroud last year, they probably don't win the game because even when they were running it down, you know, Notre Dame's throats for the most part on that, you know, last kind of clinching drive there were third downs where it was like he needed to make a play. He needed to escape the rush and make a throw like on the sidelines, perfect ball placement, whatever. And I don't know. I mean, I guess we'll see if, if Kyle McCord or Devin Brown, I, you know, if, if one of those guys can make that throw, maybe they can, but I don't know. Right. So, um, and it's also going to be like, probably the fifth start for, for that guy. So where is he at? Like in terms of his development, then um, that's definitely going to be the biggest game that quarterback has ever played. Yeah. You want to put it in the quarterback's hands as much as possible to try to beat you um, and, and drive the field to beat you. So I think that's the way I kind of see it there, like defensively. And then I would say, I mean, yeah, you don't want to give it the big plate to the air. And, but I would challenge – they have two new starting tackles too. So, yeah. obviously, you're going to wait to see what these guys look like in the first month of the year. But, uh, I mean, I would challenge those guys with stunts and edge pressures because it's not Paris Johnson and Dewan Jones anymore. Um, and then I think on offense, I think you better run the ball a lot better than, yeah. than you did. I think that that is going to be key, right? That is going to be key. And you have to – like they had no explosives in the, the only explosive they had in the game or, or they had a couple explosive on the, the touchdown drive that they had. Mm -hmm. Right. You know, they schemed one up. Remember there was that one kind of uh, like fake pitch, whatever to bombing down the seam. Yeah. And, and then they had the beginning of the game. They had that, uh, you know, run after catch from uh, Lorenzo Styles. Styles and that was it. Right. So you need to be, more explosive. So I would say you got to run the ball. And when you get your chance to hit play action, you got to hit on some of those. I mean, it's efficiency, just like you talked about, like yeah. you got to be efficient. Um, and, you know, I think, I think, you know, a lot of this Aztec stuff, I think that's for Ohio state teams like that, you know, and it's going to be interesting. It's going to be interesting what they do. It's like you said, you got to limit the explosives. Like you can't have it. You just cannot. Um, it's the easiest way to lose a game like that. Um, so, yeah, I think you covered the rest of it pretty good. Uh, Iris Bronx, who has more sacks, Marist or Sneed? I think probably Marist because he'll probably get more opportunities. So um, just based on that, I would say 
he's probably going to have more. Um, I both those guys look good rushing the passer in um, yeah. in um, in camp, and Marist specifically working with Jordan Botello and some of the stuff that they were doing together look really, really good. And they were for the most part, when they were doing the sub packages, those guys were in there together. So I don't know. Um, I think it's kind of to be determined how big of a role Snead is going to have. I, he's going to have a role, but I don't know if I, as of right now, I would say he, he would have less snaps than Marist, uh, like less pass rush opportunities yeah. than Marist. So I would probably go Marist. Yeah, I think that's fair. Um, all right, Irish Bronx, over under 13 games. Botelho sacks at nine. I think I'll probably go like, I mean, that's a pretty good job setting these up, Irish Bronx, I'd say, because <laughs> nine, I think, is a pretty good. Yeah. I, I think you're going to say like just over or just under like that, or, you know, maybe, so maybe push, I, I guess I would say push, I guess, but um, yeah, that's, I'm going to say, I, I'm going to say over, I'm going to say over. Cause everyone's like, Oh no, can't like Isaiah Foster. Well, I, 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 I think he's going to be over uh, Mills tackles for loss at 10. I'm going to say under, um, but I think, yeah, I, I he'll be close to that. I yeah, man, that's good. I'm gonna say I'm gonna say Bronx under are, on that uh, one. Bronx, are you, do you work for a sports book? Like what's going on? <laughs> I'm gonna good. be I'm gonna be under yeah. that one as well. First ran 100 tackles. I'm over for that. I'll go over as well. Okay, uh, Morrison five and a half interceptions. I'm gonna say under interceptions are hard to get. They are hard to get. I'm going to say under two because he's not going to be targeted enough. I yeah. think, you know, I think that's, there's going to be games where you're like, man, Ben Morrison did get a lot of action this game. I think that's going to happen. So you plus like, that. we have to remember, like he, he went into November having zero and then, yes. you know, Clemson threw him two, and then he got two against uh, BC, you know, it's so it's like, it, it all happened really fast. I just, I don't, that, that that usually isn't the case. Um, and then Xavier Watts, three and a half. I'm going to say exactly four. So I'm going to take the over. Uh, I'll, I'll take over on that yeah. too. Very excited for Xavier Watts. Um, all right. Uh, CHSB, CHSFB 75. Uh, most surprising thing to come from fall camp. What do you think, Jamie? Um, I think it was just how far along some of the young players are um, and the freshmen definitely like how there's more guys that I think are um, physically ready to play, um, you know, and, and obviously you're going to have to wait and see how like some of these guys are mentally going to handle it because, you know, how much can you give all of these guys? Right. And also too, you're a freshman at Notre Dame. You got to go to class. You got to do all these other things. There's other factors that go into it right like so i think that's but i think there's more options of guys that like you'd be like ah you might not want to redshirt this guy because i think he's not in no way he's staying five years so there's that and then i i would say too with the same thing when you saw like guys the jumps people made from spring to to fall i think that was a, a thing 
lot of sophomores like that too, right? You know, mentioned Stays, right? Was a guy, um, you know, not a sophomore, but mentioned uh, Gabriel Rubio as a guy. Like, there's a lot of that of guys where you're like, oh, this guy really took a jump from from that time, and it was wasn't like they looked bad in the spring, but just they 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 took jumps. Yeah, uh, for me, it's Pat Coogan winning guard. Yeah, I will, never would have predicted. I, I think you could. I, you know what? Actually, you should probably just change it to Pat Coogan and Rocco Spindler being the guards because yeah. I don't. I I mean, we had heard before camp that Rocco was a legitimate contender to 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 start there, but if you said these are the two that are going to start, I don't think I don't think you'd find anyone on the Notre Dame beat who would have said these are the two guys who are going to start. No way. No way. That's shocking to me. So not that it's bad. It's just, I'm shocked. You, just, you hear that. He was, he was considered, it was like, I think the, all the focus was, it was okay. Rocco, Christophic, Shrouth. And you know, that's it. And then it was like, Oh, maybe, you know, because Emil Wagner got some looks too or whatever, right? So you're like, well, maybe it'll be Wagner now or whatever, right? But like, yeah, I think it really kind of came out of not completely out of nowhere, but definitely was a surprise. Yeah. Uh, another surprise is I forgot to, uh, I forgot to do Vahid. VSR Media, I, I totally messed that up. So uh, before we get to our last question, I want to talk to you about VSR Media, uh, founded by Notre Dame football pregame host and Emmy Award-winning anchor Vahid Sadrazade. Uh, VSR Media provides professional and cinematic video and photo, whether you're looking for a collegiate or pro-level highlight reel, have a personal story to tell, or aiming to diversify your growing business. VSR Media specializes in short and long-form video storytelling, social media management, website design, BSR Media also captures professional headshots, senior, and sports photos. Contact Vahid at bsrmediacompany.com. Mention Irish Sports Daily and receive 20% off your first project. Visit them online or give a call at 574-800-9106. That is hand up my bad. (laughs) I'd never never do that, and uh, I did this time. So uh, I'll run. Uh, Well, the perfect game is still on attack. Don't worry. You just got them in. You got them in. That's right. That's right. Last question from Drew Brennan. Do you know when the team plans to depart back from Ireland? Sounds like Sam, so Coach Marcus Freeman is putting more of an emphasis on making sure the team is traveling smarter to give players the most rest possible. Um, do you, I mean, I, I don't know. I assume they're going to leave uh, ASAP as soon as they can because you know they want to get back. Um, it sounds like they might leave a little bit earlier for Ireland than I would have um, expected. So have you heard anything Next, about this? Well, Wednesday they said, right? So, yeah, So so – uh, yeah. I think that makes sense too. Yeah. Right. I think they're, uh, you know, he mentioned too, that they were, because it's something that NFL teams have done, right. Where they've flown mm-hmm. to the UK and flown to Europe during the week. And then, you know, it's part of the season. So I think they're probably trying to learn a lot from, from that. Um, but I mean, some of the stuff, I'm sure they're trying to put a priority on trying to get out quicker after games with some of these, but I mean, they're going to play some night games on the road. It's just, that's how it is. Right. Yeah. So it's like, you know, that Clemson game is going to be an, a night game. Like it would be like something would have to go wrong for that to not be a night game. So um, 
it's just one of the one of those things where you got to deal with it at some point and hopefully you know you kind of learn from it but i mean how much is that on him like i don't, right. I don't think like that's on you know whoever i i mean i don't even know who handles specifically the travel stuff for for the team but like that is yeah. um i mean it's a, it's a tough gig for notre dame if, you, yeah. if you're, you're that person for notre dame that's for sure yeah and with that, uh, that is our last question, and we are uh, on to the season. Goodbye to the off season. Uh, we are done with that. So next uh, week, we're going to be talking about um, – we're going to be previewing Navy. We're going to be talking about all those things. So you're going to want to check us out on irishsportsdaily.com. Uh, check out all of Jamie's work there. Check out everyone's work there. And uh, check us out. Tyler, I don't have time. I don't have time to do the center the center question uh maybe i'll do it on twitter I'll, I'll hit you up on twitter i did not forget i we don't have time don't yell at me um I we, we went over 90 minutes here i have children time uh so uh if you like what you heard hit the like hit subscribe hit the notification bell links for the podcast in the description below thank you everyone for tuning in uh we will talk to you next week have a good weekend and we'll be talking navy season two here.